Well, hello everyone. Whether you want it or not, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't want to hear from us? Well, you know, and that's the thing. I think a lot of people would want to hear from us if they discovered us. Right. So if you are listening, uh, please pass along that this is the most erudite, intelligent, witty movie podcast you've ever heard. You don't have to lie that much, but if you could just tell your friends, hey, give these two a listen, we'd really appreciate it. We're trying to get our numbers up, and uh, I don't know, we think we're good. He says with uh, great modesty. Well, where does that leave us in greatness this week, Chuck? And greatness and talking about, I think we have five, maybe six new films to talk about. Which ones do you want to discuss in depth? And then we'll kind of skirt over a couple that I'd rather not. Well, I don't, don't, I'm looking at the list again to remind myself, there's nothing great here by any stretch. And, but you know what? This is something you and I talked about maybe a little bit. We touched on earlier today. I'm burnt out. Right. And I wonder if the lens through which I'm looking at movies now is being affected by right. that. Right, right. Because I can't think that everything that I'm watching now stinks. <laughs> but that certainly is the way it's coming off. It, it is, it is. And when some of these movies that have the bigger names in them and I'm expecting so much from them, and then it's just like I'm pissed because I'm so disappointed and I'm not hooked right away and that disappoints me. So I do wonder, am I jaded right now? Am I just on overload because we're watching between 6 and 10 movies a week yeah. right now and that's yeah. a lot of movies. Well, and then the for other for us, right? Well, yeah, well, no, even for us it is. Yeah. Uh, and I think the other thing that raises expectations is that we're at the end of the year. Right. And studios tend to hold back that stuff so that it's fresh in everyone's mind for top 10 lists, for awards that we vote on. So expectations are higher, and they, by and large for me, haven't been met. Right. Uh, there's a couple big films I haven't quite seen. I haven't seen yet. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom I haven't seen. We'll talk about that next week. Okay. Um, maybe that's about the only one with great potential that I haven't seen, but there has been very little... That's impressed me. We're still waiting to hear on Wonder Woman 84. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I have heard great things. Great, great things. It was a story last weekend. They had shown it to some select press on the lot in Hollywood and nothing but raves. Wow. So, uh, but yeah, it's... It's a weird time. It is, it is. And, and it's a weird time of the year anyway for us because we always are bombarded by things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's even more weird just because of COVID and not being able to go and, and share our experiences together, yeah. you know? Um, I think that maybe is, is the biggest negative right now mm-hmm. in being able to be excited for the end of the year because this right. is an exciting time of year, whether you have big movies or small movies coming out. But I do think, and I want to talk about this later, I want to share with everybody a little bit of behind the scenes as to what happens. We have a little, we have a little guest here today. Here. <laughs> <laughs> um, as to what happens in the voting process. And this year is so different, but we'll get to that later. Um, I'd love to, let's start off because you had a, you had an amazing interview this week with Sienna Miller, who is in Wander Darkly. Let's, let's start the ball rolling with that film. Yeah, Sienna Miller, she just, uh, she's an actress I have so much respect for. So much respect for. She's such a talented woman. And, you know, she's talented. She's beautiful. I'm sure she could have gone the way of mainstream Hollywood if she wanted. But she makes such interesting choices. Mm-hmm. And I, a movie I loved from a year or two ago, and I know you loved it too, American Woman. If you haven't seen this movie, go see it. 
It was on my top 10 list, and I think it was yours it as was, well. Yeah. It's a great, great film, and she is great in it. Uh, so I was really looking forward to, to Wander Darkly, and I really got a kick out of, out of speaking to her the other day. It was very nice. Let's go ahead and listen to a clip from that interview. I, I, this is an arduous, emotionally uh, uh, role for you. And I've often wondered, how do actors take care of themselves off screen after we say cut? How do you take care of yourself uh, after having to go through this experience? Um, you just, I, I have a really grounded, very normal life outside of work. I've got a daughter that I have to show up for. I often say that the real acting begins when I get home from a very hard day. <laughs> like, great, everything's fine. And then you kind of bath time, dinner time, bedtime, and then you kind of collapse. There is a weird catharsis in kind of pushing yourself for me personally. A lot of, a lot of the artistic things that I want to express come from a painful place and it's there's something interesting about getting into that mess um I love a hot bath and a glass of wine that kind of stuff <laughs> You know, um, if you want to tune into WCIA-TV, you can take a look at the full interview later on. Um, I don't know if they're going to be airing it this week or next week, uh, but check that out. And what I loved hearing about her, and this might be why she chooses such interesting roles, is women typically are the caregivers for children. Mm -hmm. She talked about having a kid's home, and so she separates her two lives, her professional mm -hmm. life and her family life, because when she's doing a really dark role like this, um, she shuts it down and goes home and she's worried about, you know, getting dinner for the kids and putting them to bed and baths and mm -hmm. just the normal day-to-day -day stuff that we all do as moms. So that, to me, was kind of refreshing to hear that she's just an everyday mom, too, just like me. Yeah, don't, don't you picture movie stars just, like, sitting around and having a maid <laughs> at their beck and call and, yep. and never making their own meals, no. right? I mean, that's how I picture it. Right, right. So you're I, right. It was neat to hear her say that. Yeah, she's very, very down to earth. Um, this movie is an interesting, um, an interesting film, and I'm, I want to be very, very careful about how I describe it because I don't want to give anything away. Um, we meet um, Adrian and Mateo. They're a young couple um, who are struggling with marriage. They are actually, they're not even they're married. Not married. They're not married. And Mateo is Diego Luna. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. And Adrian is played by Sienna Miller. And um, they're going out for a date night. And they're obviously not getting along too terribly well. Um, the baby has been left home uh, with a babysitter. And on the way home, they're arguing, and they get into a horrific car accident. Um, and we see the rest of the film through the perspective of Adrian, who identifies as, as being dead. Let's go ahead and listen to a clip from the film. Hey! Adrian! Come down! What are you doing? You can see me. What? I died. I died. Okay. It's so wrong that that was it. It was just like headlights and a half gas. Stop, stop. You're confused. We had an accident. Oh my God, you're dead too. What? No. No, honey. I'm not. And, and you're not. How do you know? Because I know. Well, because we're here. <laughs> I mean, spending eternity on the 10 freeway, what did we do to deserve that? You weren't there with Ellie. Where do you go? 
What happens to you? You just, you get scared and then what? You just, you, you disappear? You concussed, that's it. No. I'm dead. I can step into traffic now, it wouldn't matter. It would hey! Hey. It's okay. What is this, like purgatory? What's happening to me? Just hold on to me. So if, 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 when we listen to this, we, we know that there has been a tragedy in this film, and we see life unravel, but not through any certain time constraint. We see their relationship in the past and in the future and how things unfolded from each of their perspectives. And I love that look at things because as we all know, when we experience an event, I see it through my eyes differently than you're going to see it through your eyes. Um, I thought that was a really interesting perspective about relationships, love, loss, and how we handle trauma. Um, Sienna Miller, of course, was wonderful in this, and I, I really enjoyed Diego Luna's uh, performance as well. And I know that you have a different perspective on this <laughs> film as you're looking at me. Why don't you share it? I'm glad you enjoyed it. I did. I'm glad you did. So and, and from well, I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to be you know pragmatic oh. about all this. Why start now? Why start now? Okay. Um, well, again, I, I, I'm I'm trying to temper things because I'm I'm conscious of my burnt out state here. Right. It just it, I admired how it was technically put together uh, because this is basically memories. Uh, memories of a character, and you see how they're standing on the beach. Then all of a sudden, you know, they're in a car, and then all of a you know. And I know the director, Tara Mealy, said she wanted to create a film that worked how I, the way your mind works. Right. I mean, you trip from one memory, one thought to the next, and they might be connected, they might not, or what does connect them is as thin as a thread. And I really liked that. But I just thought the whole thing was a bit too gimmicky. I yeah, couldn't I get past that. that. Did not see that at all. I couldn't get past it. It was like, okay, this is all a trick. This is all a trick. I'm waiting for the trick. What's the revelation? And because I was conscious of the gimmick, I couldn't get involved with them. Wow. And, and, and I know from reading on Rotten Tomatoes, I'm in the uh, minority on this, which means I'm right. Um, <laughs> so, so, <clears throat> so take what I say you know, with a grain of salt. Okay. I one thing that I loved about it, and, and you're talking about memories, and as they're in, in at the beach and in the water, and they're reliving that memory, and then they stop midstream and say, "No, no, no, you didn't say that. It went like this," and they correct each other to relive their memory. I thought that was very novel. I don't know that I've seen that before. Well, and we're going to be talking about this more next week uh, when we talk about the father with Anthony Hopkins, oh. which also deals with memory and perception. And the way they present that there, I thought was incredible. We'll oh. talk more about that next week, but uh, it seems to be in the air. Yeah, I'm, I'm in tears just even thinking about that movie. I Great can't film. wait to talk about it. Great film. So, Wander Darkly, a love story. Wild Mountain Time, a love story. And you couldn't go about these two things in a more <laughs> different, different way. Right. Uh, John Patrick Shanley, uh, Shanley uh, wrote two great films. Two great films. Moonstruck. And then he wrote a play called Doubt, which was adapted into a oh. film. Great stuff. I mean, this guy knows his things. He doesn't write often. He doesn't do things often. So whenever he does something, I, I always kind of perk up. And mm -hmm. he did this film. It was based on a play that he had written as well. 
If you know the John Wayne, John Ford film, The Quiet Man, you're going to appreciate this a bit more because I kept thinking this is more of a modern version of that film hmm. in the way that they look at the Irish way of life. Right. This whole, you know, the, where they talk about their neighbors and they talk about, you know, <laughs> well, like he was always doing that. And don't you remember the time? Right. When, when you're a Kelly, you're not the Riley. Right, what yeah. are you thinking? You're more yeah. of a Kelly. The superstitious <laughs> stuff that they have. That, that, that whole thing I thought they had just perfectly right. They did, didn't they? Yeah, and that to me was so much fun. Yeah. It was just so much fun that even when this wanders, and it does wander. Right. I was sucked back in, and also by the cast as well. Christopher Walken is one of the fathers of the characters here. And the film opens up with uh, him doing voiceovers saying that uh, there's a saying that if an Irishman dies by telling a story, he never really leaves. And, right. well, there you not go. We know we're not until he's finished. So that's why we know why he's there. He is the father to character uh, Anthony. Anthony, played by uh, Jamie Dornan. Jamie Dornan is going to be like... Um, Robert Pattinson. <clears throat> Pattinson got his start with Twilight, and he's been doing a lot of interesting things to show us he's a good actor. Right. Dornan's doing the same thing. He got noticed with the Fifty Shades films, and now he's breaking away from those, and he's doing some good stuff. Oh, and man, has he broken away, because as I'm watching him in this, he's a quirky, dorky... Not confident at all. No, yeah. really awkward guy. And, oh my God, he was the Fifty Shades of Grey guy, you know? Guy, yeah, <laughs> and, and that's got to be very satisfying for him to breaking, break away from that thing that he was saddled with. And it is neat to see him so insecure... Because he's in love with a neighbor woman, or a woman that he's grown up with. Rosemary. Rosemary, played by Emily Blunt. And she is, like Maureen O'Hara in The Quiet Man, she has all the personality. She is strong. She doesn't take shit from nobody. And she can't understand why Anthony won't tell her that he loves her, why he won't marry. And it comes out later on just why he won't do that. And there's this quirky thing... <laughs> Where their two farms are separated by this one little corner that Rosemary owns that separates the farm that Anthony and his father owns. And they have to go through two gates and we find out why that's there. But then Anthony's dad won't sell him or won't give him the farm. He says he's not connected to the land and he's going to sell it instead to a nephew who's in America played by John Hamm. He's another guy who anymore, whenever I see his name, I'm like, oh. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I, I perk up. He's very good at, at what he does. And he gets this notion in his head, this American businessman, that he's going to be some gentleman farmer. And he comes over, and he's got his Rolls Royce that he rented. And he okay, just... okay. i, I got to stop you right there, because um, let's go ahead and listen to a clip from okay, the film. And then I want to tell you a story about the roads in Ireland. Okay. Fine. What are you doing out there? Fishing. That was fishing? Yeah. Without a rod? Who were you talking to? I wasn't talking. You looked to be talking, then swatting, then you jumped in. I did not. It's a Kelly's to jump in. I'm a Riley. You're a Riley. What are you doing down by the river? What I've been doing after this one. Oh, you're not still from the night before. I am. Well, God in heaven, you look the worst for it. Well, thanks much. You don't look perfect yourself. 
So are you going to tell me the Rolls Royce wouldn't fit on a road? No, <laughs> no. And, and, and it did. I mean, they looked at it like, what the hell are you doing? And we rented a very small car and you drove drive on the wrong side of the road, our wrong side of the road. Mm-hmm. And those roads are like as as thin as this little table that we have in front of us. It is it is never going to fit that. And in talking about the Irish families and being able to capture those families, this film definitely mm-hmm. finds that small town community and it it punctuates exactly how it, they are. It's so quirky, but quirky in a delightful way. Loving. I, I, it is. Yeah. It, it, it's very much, uh, it's a nostalgic look back, back, I think, and I think maybe that's why I, I liked it so much, or it charmed me. Uh, it, it just seems to be a much simpler time. Uh, it, it's, a, you know, you, you could poke holes in this thing all day long, I'm sure, but I needed something old-fashioned. Yeah. I needed something that was... Uh, whimsical mm-hmm. at times, and I liked everybody in the movie too. Right. Even John Hamm, and he's got his ulterior motives, but you know, you end up liking him. Yeah, you understand sure. him. You know where, how he works. Uh, so yeah, Wild Mountain Time. That's on Amazon, correct? I believe that it is on Amazon, Amazon Prime, Street. and it is a Bleecker Street film. Bleecker Street film on Amazon. Right. So if you have Amazon Prime, check it out. You could do a lot worse, I think. Yeah. You know, I, I loved Christopher Walken in this. I don't know if he's got any Irish roots, but he certainly <laughs> showed some in this movie and his brogue that he was able to take on and his affect. I loved him in this. Well, yeah, and, and he has such a distinctive voice and cadence to begin with. <laughs> right. And then he throws the Irish, and it's like, oh, my God. God. He, he I, does a great job with I, it. Yeah, I didn't realize I wanted him to speak Irish until he did. I'm like, oh, well, I, we've all been missing out. <laughs> That's right, definitely. Um, the only problem I had with the movie is that it needed to bump up the quirkiness a little bit to make it a little bit more fun. It kind of it teetered. I felt like it was always like someone was pulling back the reins on them, that it could have been a lot more fun. And to me, that was a deterrent to the story. But I enjoyed it. I wanted yeah. it. I, I knew what was going to happen, Didn't of matter. course. But I wanted to see what happened and how it happened. Yeah. Um, and Emily Blunt definitely connected with her inner geek. I didn't find her geeky at all. I'm sure you wouldn't, Chuck. Huh. <laughs> oh, I did. I did. Uh-uh. No? No. She was oh, sexy as hell. she was an oddball. She was an oddball. She was sexy as hell because she was strong. Okay. I, well, she definitely was. She, she had that she strong was character. Odd. She didn't take any crap. Okay. And, and, I, and I love that in the character. Okay. All right. Well, very good. Well, we'll check this one out, and uh, we hope that you enjoy it and hope it can be a little escapism for you as well. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um, That brings us... Oh, here, let's talk about The Stand-In. Take that away. What a weird movie. Right? I mean, not what I expected at all. Uh, If you you remember having to read Prince and the Pauper by Twain in high school, that's what this is, in a sense. Uh, Drew Barrymore plays... Um, this woman who's an actress. If you remember the Ernest movies with Jim Varney. Oh, my God. You know, <laughs> she plays an actress named Candy Black, who is a comedian, and she has fallen into that type of a trope. She has one character that she plays all the time in every movie, and she has gotten tired of it. She's typecast, but she's been very successful. She's a gazillionaire, but she's unhappy. She doesn't have a boyfriend, doesn't have a husband. She has retreated into drugs. And one day she has a massive meltdown on the set of one of her films because she's being a diva, injures a co-star, 
And that basically puts an end to her career. Right, because somebody is videotaping it with their iPhone. Like phone, seven right? iPhones are coming out and videotaping <laughs> it. And that's one of my favorite scenes, actually, is when she, she is say, like, what, did you get enough? Did you get it off? Is this going to go viral? Have I just like, where's the PR person? And it's hilarious to watch her go in that meltdown. Because you can see that happening. Oh, completely. Completely. And, 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 well, I'll get to this in a second. But there's definitely an insider feel to this whole right. thing. Oh, God, Right. So Candy goes into hiding for five years. She's in her mansion in New Jersey, I think, of all places, which I thought was kind of Is odd. That it's not it Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, the tax man comes calling. She owes taxes. She has to go to a 90-day rehab. She doesn't want to go, so she contacts her agent, played by T.J. Miller, who does a good job here, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and she says, "You look, I don't want to do this. Find my old stand-in. You remember that loser named Paula? Find her. Paula, also played by Drew Barrymore, is living in her car. They track her down. Candy has a proposal. Go to rehab for me. Pretend to be me. I'll pay you. Sure. Why not? She needs the cash. She comes back, and lo and behold, the agent, as is often the case, says, hey, people love a comeback story. What would you say to a few appearances? Why don't we get the ball rolling again? Candy doesn't want anything to do with it, but the stand-in Paula says, hey, I'll do it. We'll split the money. What do you say? Why not? So, Paula finally gets what she wants. She's a star. She's getting all the attention. She's getting big cash. Candy, well, she's become a recluse, has taken up woodworking. <laughs> that was her original career. She was a journeyman. Oh, okay. And also uh, has started a weird relationship uh, with a writer that she's never met. Uh, they communicate online. Uh, and uh, he's going to come visit. And things get complicated from there. I love his secret, by the way. The right. writer. Oh, my God. That was hilarious. <laughs> and the only thing that would have made it better would have if they had actually shown the video yeah. of what he did. Right, right. Just, oh, but the I don't, description I don't think itself <laughs> was just hilarious. This is an interesting film because obviously uh, Barrymore is in it, but she's also one of the producers. And you, you can't help but think, wow, she's commenting on probably many aspects of her life and also the Hollywood experience. Uh, regrettably, she started at such a young age. She, we know she didn't have the protection she needed as a child. The fact that she survived that and had a career of her own as an adult, I think, is astonishing. Right, right. Uh, uh, tip of the hat to her for her perseverance uh, to do that. But she's commenting here on what stardom does to you, what the Hollywood machine does to you, how it eats you up, spits you out, doesn't care if you're not on top, eats away at your soul. Uh, because what happens to Paula isn't pleasant. I no. mean, the old be careful what you wish for. You might get it. <laughs> certainly, you know, pops up here. Right. Uh, this is really a dark comedy, and it was not what I expected. No, totally. I, I thought it was going to be totally light fluff ball stuff. Me too. And it wasn't. There yeah. was so many. There were so many dramatic elements to it that I didn't expect that really made it a film that really was pretty gripping. Mm-hmm. And like you said, a lot of social commentary as well. And Drew Barrymore. I loved her. I don't know if you watched Santa Clarita Diet. Yes, Timothy Oliphant's yes, Of course yeah, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, same here. <laughs> <laughs> uh. um, but yeah, she, she really has made a name for herself. And there aren't too many child um, actors who have been able to balance all of that. Yeah. Um, but she plays two roles, Paula and Candy. And they use these prosthetics to make her into Paula. And not for one second... Do I question which character is which? Right. And she really takes on a totally different persona. She takes her voice is different. Her mannerisms are different. Her body language is different. She really 
nails it with becoming two different people in yeah. this film. So it's a phenomenal job. So check that one out. That's going to be available on probably Amazon Prime, iTunes, all of the major digital yeah, as platforms. As of tomorrow. Yeah. As of Friday, yes. Yeah. So cool. We got, We both agree on that one. That was a surprise. It was, and I have a feeling we're going to agree on the next two as well. I think we are too. Let's talk about Let Them All Talk. Did you watch that one? Of course I did. Okay, all right. With everybody in that, and you know, Steven Soderbergh directed. He's one of my favorite directors. Of course I watched it. I know you loved it, so go ahead. (laughs) I mean, remember how I said about the Titanic, and I can't stand that movie, and I just wanted the the whole ship to just freaking sink. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a, it's astonishing we're still friends. I know. Revelation, but go ahead. <laughs> um, this takes place on the Queen Mary too, and I wanted this one to sink as well. Um, this is about Meryl Streep, who plays an author who has hit a roadblock in her um, writing career. Um, she also is um, going to be uh, awarded something in London, an award, and her publicist or her literary agent wants her to go and collect this award, and she wants to be privy as to what's this next, next book that you're working on, how far are you, because she's very secretive about it. Well, Meryl will not fly, so they have the great idea of getting on the Queen Mary too, and... Meryl's character of Alice decides, hey, I think I'm going to have my nephew come along with me for kicks, and I'm going to see if my two childhood friends can come along too, who she's been estranged from for quite some time. Um, this really had a lot of potential. Well, to, who are the two friends? Oh, I'm sorry, Diane Wiest, and um, we also have Candace Bergen. And I know you're not a huge fan of, of Candace Bergen. I am. She just brings her signature style of comedy to this film, which I so appreciated, but there wasn't enough of her. Um, this film had a lot of opportunity to delve into these relationships and what happened to them in the past and why did they fall apart. Um, and I always felt like every single time they had a chance to get together, we don't get the three of them together on screen very much, but when they are together, it's like they just start going with the conversation and odd that this is called Let Them All Talk and they really kind of cut it short and they really don't let them all talk. If they would have done a little bit more talking, it would have been a little bit more interesting. Lucas Hedges is in this film as well and he's got this little side romance thing going on with a literary agent. That's kind of interesting. Um, But this just seems to go absolutely nowhere for me and I just did not get connected to any of the characters because they just wouldn't be allowed to talk. It, it's it's a drift. The whole <laughs> thing is just a drift. And I think I told you I'd read in the notes that there were no there was no dialogue in the screenplay. Apparently, this was just a list of scenes setting up the basic premise of the scene to move the story along, and the dialogue was improvised. Oh my god! And I think that has a lot to do with this lack of. It just lacks any forward motion. It Absolutely. Just, and I hate to use the word again, but it, it, it just flounders. Yeah. It just kind of sits there. Yeah. And Soderbergh's a guy, I think, who gets bored really easy. He's always looking for something new to do, and I'm sure that this whole thing appealed to him, this experiment, and it must have appealed to these performers as well. Oh, this is a nice challenge. Let's improv through this film. But it just doesn't work. Yeah. It just, I, I, it, there's no urgency to this at all. No. No. At all. Pull the plug. Yeah. And Mar- and Streep, I think, is having fun, though, because her character is a real bitch. Yeah. And she's having fun with that. But it's it's just blah. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So skip that one. Definitely. I'm glad we agree on that. Yes. HBO Max. <laughs> That'll get them signing up. There you go. <laughs> 
No, but I have a feeling that perhaps Wonder Woman 84 is going to get people signing up quickly. Well, I've got an interesting tidbit on that that we'll talk about at the end here. All right, sounds good. Let's quickly talk about safety. This is a Disney Plus film. And it's about a real-life young man who is a freshman at Clemson in South Carolina, and he is a football player. He's got a rough life. He's had a rough life. He's got a little brother, and his mother is a drug addict. Um, But he gets a chance to better his life by going to college, and he's on scholarship there. Um, You know, balancing, being a student athlete is a tough thing to balance anyway, but when you don't have that support system of a home life, Um, That's got to make it 10 times more difficult. And um, this young man gets a phone call from home, and his mother has been arrested, and she is going to be put into rehab. Um, His little brother has nowhere to go. He's going to go to foster care, and at the very last second, he says, I'll take him. So this young man, Ray Ray, um, has to care for his little brother while he's in the dorm juggling school, a full load, 18 credits, plus football practice, and... I mean, I get kind of choked up even thinking about this because this is a story that is based on reality. And this is about family and how this community acted as his family as he was able to let down his guard and trust others and let people in. Oh, it was just a beautiful emotional film. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it sounds like it should be a contrived, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, predictable film. And if it wasn't real, it absolutely would be. But I really think Jay Reeves, who, who plays Ray Ray, does an amazing job. Um, Thaddeus Mixon, I think, is the little boy's name. Favorite, favorite, fa- Faymar, uh, Faymar, yeah. Um, he does a great job of being quite irritating in the beginning, but oh. he also has a little bit of a character development as well. I, I enjoyed this a lot. What did you think? So, so you're choking up at this, but 3,000 people dying on the Titanic. <laughs> no big deal. No big deal. Okay. I got connected with these people. I cared about these people. If you don't care about your characters, I agree. sink it. I agree. Pull the plug. I agree. Let's hang on one second so we can throw in a clip of the film Safety. about to get hazed? This is Ray's brother, Fama. What's up? What's good? What's up, bro? What's up, little man? <laughs> so, uh, when y'all gonna tell me about this secret y'all was talking about? Ain't this supposed to be a secret or something? This is my secret. That you got a little brother? Hey, man, I got a little brother, too. <laughs> he's not as tall as you, but he's got a green shirt. No, that he's secretly living on campus with me. Okay. I get it. I... Ray's been figuring out on his own, but I told me of each other's backs. No, no doubt, bro. We got you. As long as you family, so is the kid. Uh, I liked it. I mean, it's formula. I uh-huh. mean, I, even though it is true, it is formula. Uh, and, you know, this is what Disney does. And Disney does it well. You know, they, they have a whole roster of sports films in which they do this. Uh, I don't think there's ever been one quite like this with this kind of dynamic that you described with the family and the kid trying to you know, raise him while going to college. Uh, it's interesting at the end, we see the real people and we see them on Oprah. Right. Uh, I think that w- I think she was the one who brought the story to, to national attention mm-hmm. when, it, when it was done. Um, you know, it's a little bit too rah-rah macho at times uh, for me, but you can't, you can't uh, discount the sentiment of the whole thing. Right, right. And I, and I think in our world today, having people act as a community and support one another, no matter where we're from, it's a great message. It's a great message. Too bad we have to keep saying it. I know. Okay, so I'm your woman. 
I've been waiting for you to say that. <laughs> <laughs> did you see it? I did not. You did not. Well, I'm going to save you two hours. Thank you. You are welcome. This is a character study about a young woman who has a husband who is involved in some nefarious deeds and... She has to run away and with her child that is not really her child, but she now has this child because her husband grabbed one for her and <laughs> before he disappeared. And um, now she is on the run with the help of another man who is hiding her. And this is just a cat and mouse chase scene, one scene after another after another. And there is absolutely no narrative to drive this thing forward. Is this the Miss Maisel? Yes, this stars um, Rachel Brosnahan who actually is a North Shore girl. I don't know if you knew that. She was Didn't from Chicago. No. Um, and she does a fine job, but man, I, I felt like I was watching, and you were talking about Let Them All Talk was just like an outline of a script. This is what I'm Your Woman was. It was an outline of a script, and they forgot to fill in all the details. And we just watched her go from one place to another. She meets a couple people, meets another person here and there, and shoot, bang, bang, all done. Okay, so I saved you two hours, but I'm going to have you spend 40 seconds listening to the trailer just to make sure you know that I'm correct in skipping this movie. So I'm supposed to live you don't know where for you don't know how long, and also you don't know if Eddie's okay. Just let me call him. Let him be the one to explain it. You can't. You're talking about my husband. No one knows where he is. You can't call him because no one knows where he is. Is anybody looking? Everyone's looking. And they're looking for you, too. A nice house. Near a park. I like to take walks with a stroller. Okay, saved you two hours. Appreciate that. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's, I want to go, I want to bring people back again to the concept of, of what these awards are like this year, because every year we get bombarded at the end of the year, as we talked about at the beginning of the show. Um, but this year we're getting bombarded, but we only have to vote for the critics. We don't vote for the critics choice awards. The Oscars aren't until April ish sometime, April 25th or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, our critics choice awards aren't until March. Right. Um, but we do have to vote for our Chicago Film Critics Association, which is like, God, I think it's in a few days we have to vote. Yeah, yeah. So that really puts a time frame, a time, a time frame on us to, to get everything done, mm -hmm. um, which is unique because we usually have everybody having to vote every, for everything within the month of December. Right. Well, it, it goes without saying anymore that this is a strange year. Uh, you had pointed out the two... Uh, best of lists in the New York Times to me this morning, and I looked at those, and I had looked at a couple other best of lists already, and the one thing I've noticed is is that I can't pick out one movie that I see represented across the board. I think these lists are going to be incredibly scattered this year. We haven't had that uniform slate of movies that we get from the studios that everybody sees mm -hmm. that everyone weighs in on. We've all, and, and though we've all gotten the same movies to watch, I think we've all also discovered little independent type gems and things that weren't universally seen. So I think you're going to have a lot more movies represented on top 10 lists across the board this year. Right, which is kind of a cool thing because I think this is, is. A, a year that the independent filmmakers 
can actually get a little bit more recognition because yeah. a lot of the films were held back and won't come out until 2021 which won't qualify the, uh, those films Next for, year. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I think in some ways that's really benefited the smaller filmmaker, which I love to see. Um, we had a lot of small films this year. Boy, a lot of small <laughs> films. So small. And we saw them all. I mean, I mean, we were talking about this earlier in the week, so I went back and I looked at all the releases of the year. Right. So many I'd forgotten about. I know. And a couple good ones, too. Right, right. Um, I guess maybe because I didn't see them on the big screen. I guess because they weren't overpowering, overwhelming like a Hollywood production. They didn't stick with me the way they should have. You and I were talking about, wow, top 10 might be a little rough to come up with even 10 good ones. Right. I think I came up with 13 that will be contending on for my list, which okay. is a low number. Right, right. I'm I'm at 18, I think, which for me is really low, too, because I usually have a, a 35 much... 35. Yeah, yeah. You and start then I have with to that, like, and then we start whittling them down. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, again, just like everything else this year, this is off the wall. It is. It'll be interesting what we come up with. Yeah, and you know what? And I think maybe that's got a lot to do with my burnout as well. I, I, as much as it is a pain for us to go to Chicago or Indy to see movies on the big screen, I'm missing seeing them on the big screen. Yeah, they make more of an impact. They really do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think that when this whole pandemic started, this was back in March, so we've been doing this for a while, being hunkered down at home and seeing everything on our home screen. Um, we also were seeing five movies a week then because we were home. And so yeah. we've been doing five to seven, sometimes more movies per week since For March. a long time. And I went to Sundance, so I saw, you know, five a day there, too. So it's been almost a full year of more than five movies a week, mm-hmm. which would explain burnout. Yeah. You know? So your movie better be pretty freaking good now this time of year to send it to me if you want me to That's pay right. attention. And I'm, I'm not going to be so harsh on it then. That's right. And... Um, <laughs> Well, you know, we have toyed around with the whole notion of, you know, doing our rating system on how long we last. Right. Yeah. Turn it off after 20 minutes. Oh, we made it to 45 minutes and I gave up. Yeah. You know, if you can get all the way, then you've you've really done something. Uh, And there have been some major productions that I've wanted to turn off, but stuck through because I felt as though I should. Right. Uh, And we'll be talking about a couple of those in the next week or two. Yes, we will. Uh, A couple big surprises, actually, that... uh, Proved disappointing. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. Next week, we are going to take a look at The Father with Anthony Hopkins. Another round with Mads Mikkelsen, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which has gotten a lot of buzz already. Tune in next week, and we will share with you our thoughts for next week's movies. Thanks for listening, everybody. Again, if you can share, we would love that. And if you would like to take a look at our website, make sure you follow us. Send us a message that you're following us on our email there, and we'll enter you to win a, an official over-the-moon book and record. That's Real Talk with Chuck and Pam, R-E-E-L, talkwithchuckandpam.com. Thank you.